Hello there folks around the world, this is Luke Steele, artist extraordinaire, musician, whatever you want to call me I guess, but we're here today talking about everything me. Welcome to the next episode of Introducing. I am Tim Blackwell. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for clicking or having it just automatically load up in your feed. It means a lot. It really does. Thanks also to everyone getting in touch uh, regarding Tom Grennan. He has a lot of fans. He's chuffed off back home now, but it was lovely hanging out with him in the last episode. We're going to Northern California now to Luke Steele's Eccentric Farm Ranch, which is a very cool name for a man cave. Uh, You'd know Luke Steele. From the Sleepy Jackson also to the sonic wizardry uh, of uh, uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh, He's going to tell us about his first band, which I'm not sure he's ever told anyone before and the name of that first band. We'll also talk about the time that he and Daniel Johns buried a song in a graveyard somewhere in London. Are of chops, but they did it. Also, living with bears in the woods, chopping wood. Becoming a man, living uh, away from the big cities during the pandemic. That's a great chat. We'll also talk about his debut. Can you believe this? His first ever solo record, Listen to the Water. It's out now. This is Luke Steele. Where are we speaking to you from today? You're in uh, Northern California. Yeah, I'm up in, um, up at my ranch in Northern California, up by Mount Shasta. Um, big six acre property on the lake. The bears are coming out. It's a uh, bear season and... The bats and the scorpions and the snakes and yeah, so getting back down to Santa Monica where all I have to worry about is wax up a surfboard. Oh, beautiful. Well, you've moved kind of from the, the scary wild west of WA to the scary northern end of California where there's still, still things out to kill you by the sound of things. <laughs> yeah, that's what, for sure. What made the move over there? Um, why, why did you, is that an escape or is that just more of a work reasons or a bit of both? I think just, you know, when the the pandemic hit and everything kind of went pretty crazy in the cities and I think I was kind of losing it mentally, I think, a bit before that. And, you know, I kind of felt like it was time to get the family out of the city, you know, so we just... We just went for it, you know. <laughs> what are you just going to just, the realestate.com.au equivalent over there and just type in ranch and hit search, or what did you do? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We, we didn't even come up and see it, you know, because it was it was so heavy in the pandemic. We were just like, yes. Why? Then, um, have you have you had to learn how to work on a ranch or maintain a ranch, or have you had to learn new skills? Uh, well, all that stuff. I think I finally. I think become a man, you know. Yeah. After um, you know, there's not a, a Botox Santa Monica soccer mum in sight, you know. <laughs> it's um, yeah. I think you know, just all that stuff that you don't expect, you know. Like the first, the second week we we're here, there was like three massive bears, you know, the <laughs> knocking over the, you know, things at the front door, and you know. It's just a, yeah, pretty wild kind of climate, you know. So, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot in the last couple of years. When we're recording this, obviously, we're a couple of days away from um, your first solo album release. Um, how are you feeling? Because, I mean, releasing music's not new, but this is, this got to have a different feeling for you, being all you and only you. Yeah, it feels good. I just feel um, it's always quite nerve-wracking. You know, I find it just really hard to deal with, releasing records in general because it's 
it's such a numbers game, you know, now the world and you just, you want people to hear it. You don't want it to disappear. And so, yeah, no, I'm excited, you know, cause, um, this is sort of a sound I grew up with, you know, this kind of Dylan JJK kind of sound. And I've never really done a record like this, you know, like sleepy Jackson was probably the closest, um, to it, but yeah, but people kind of surprised. They're like, man, it's like a country record, you know. <laughs> That's kind of where I grew up, you know, and that, with a, you know, a father playing, you know, Chris Christopherson and country music and stuff. So it's good for me to go into this chapter, and it's probably the, the right time in this chapter, you know, with what's sort of happened, you know, with, you know, moving to the ranch and that I'm finally becoming like a, I don't know, <laughs> Mitchell songwriter, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Like, obviously, you were just talking about moving away because of pandemic. What? What? Just pretend for one moment, if you can, that the pandemic didn't happen. What? What would you have been doing now? Where would you have been? Would you have been releasing a record like this, or do you think you would have been doing something completely different? Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely would have been different. You know. But how do you? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a random question, but you know, just I don't know. <laughs> do you think would you have been, you know, still still in the city kicking about, or, or do you think the solo album was always going to happen at this time in your career, or, or was the pandemic and maybe a bit of alone time and a bit of um, I don't know, uh, being away from everything made it made it happen a bit sooner for you, maybe? I think so. And I think getting older, you know, when you I don't know how old you are, but when I, I, I turned 40, I realized I could see my youth, like in the air, just kind of disappear. Yes. I turned really 40 like... last year, so that was a great time to turn 40 yeah. in a pandemic with three children, just going, all right, I'm a proper adult now. <laughs> yeah. Man, did you feel that as well? Did yes. You feel that? Well, I think I'm trying to do younger things. Like I tried to organize this huge 40th, and then that got canceled, obviously, and I'm actually taking myself uh, off to Glastonbury in about six weeks as my 40th present with one of my best mates. So. Yeah. Just a bit right. it's pretty good, but you know, because you can afford to do that when you're 40, so you can afford to act like you're young when yeah. you're 40. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's go back to the start then. So you're you're from Perth. I mean, born in New Zealand, but from Perth. We, I know your sister Katie. Um, so this is probably answered that question. But were you a musical household? Was there always music around, or was it you and Katie that were the um were the odd ones out? Yeah. So yeah, my father's a musician. He's still playing, you know, a couple of gigs a week. So we kind of grew up in um, beer gardens and pubs and, you know, the kids outing was going to the pub and, you know, packing up the PA the next day. And so, um, you know, I learned a lot. I was always saw it was great teaching and wisdom being around all these old blues guys. And, you know, even at three in the morning when they told you the same story, you know, a few times. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of, um, I don't know, I'm reveled in that, you know, I, I just sort of spent a lot of time up at this blues club. And so, yeah, I was kind of fortunate like that. And the amount of times I'd be in the club and there'd be, you know, 500 people, my dad would go, my son's out there, he's got to get up and play guitar for you. <laughs> and then I'd just, you know, I'd have to walk through the crowd and, so, you know, the guitarist would take his guitar off. And so I kind of learnt from about 14, 15 playing, you know, just playing in the, in the deep end a bit, you know? 
Yeah, do you think? Do you think because well, I've got children and you've got you've got children and we seem to be similar age? Do you find that like at our generation we kind of just did what our parents did and you kind of just went along for the ride? Now I feel like well, certainly with my children, we're curating this life for them that it's got not like if I have a house party to go to, well, I can make sure they got a babysitter or they or one of one of us stays home or whatever. But I kind of I get a bit sad about that sometimes because you don't necessarily get to experience. That stuff. You only experience things that other kids experience, which, as you mentioned, you know, soccer and play dates and things like that. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's like, I just, yeah, I kind of miss the old world, you know. And sometimes I talk about it, I sound like I'm 300 years old. You know, <laughs> know. But, well, where you and I, um, we're, we're a safe place here, two old blokes just chatting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally hear you because it's um, even some of the bands and stuff, you know, it's a shame that they've sort of missed some of that you know, nostalgia and stuff. Like yeah. Even just hearing like Midnight Oil or something the other day, it takes me back to being at a skate park and being down south. And yeah, it's <laughs> now it's going to be their nostalgia would be some song about someone sh- shaking the booty. Yeah, know? some WAP type, park that Big Mac truck right in this little garage type thing. <laughs> it's a lyric that for some reason still sticks in my head. Uh, <laughs> what about, what was the moment? So obviously you watched your dad, you, um, you're, you're obviously a very musical family. What was the moment though that made you think, I'm going to do this as a career or was that always just an unwritten rule that this was just going to be always a job for you or did you have other aspirations? It was um, about... I think it was like 13 or something. We went to New Zealand to see all my, my dad's side and it was New Year's Eve. I was over on the next, um, around the bay a bit with my cousin bros and we're skating this half pipe and I think I was showing up to some girls or something and then I broke my arm and my dad was, you know, the next bay over and he just cracked his first coldy and then gets the call and it was, so yeah, I pretty much spent the next six weeks in New Zealand just, sitting with him on the, the deck, you know, like, and him showing me guitar chords and things. Yeah. So then once that trip was over, I was like, I spent, I spent too long learning now. I've got to, got to do something with this. <laughs> the Sleepy Jackson, 1998. How, how did, um, how did that, that's your, obviously, was that, or was there bands before that? Or was this the, this was your first kind of real big band? Yeah. Now we're getting into the juicy. So before that, the first band was called Blue Steel. Oh, was it really? <laughs> That's something I shouldn't really. Oh wow! Okay, tell right. And we, had, and we had it was back in the day when we had uh, business cards, oh. and on the back it, it had uh, next show. Oh <laughs> so, really? <laughs> and what did okay. you did you handwrite the next show in or did yeah, you? Yeah, you're oh, right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. I guess it's good if you're giving a number to a girl or something, but. <laughs> Yeah, looking back, that's that's really bad. And then it was O'Hara Saloon, which was a a bar out of Perth. And then I was playing with this uh, little jug band called Indigo Duck, and uh, their drummer had narcolepsy, and so in between songs, he'd have a little snooze that I'd have to, you know, throw a guitar pick at him or something to wake him up. But his nickname was the Sleepy Jackson. Oh, really? And I heard that. Yeah, and I thought that's a great band name. So um. Yeah, that's that's what kicked it off, and that was with my brother in the band. Yeah, Matt O'Connor. Well, when I lived, yeah. when I lived in Perth for a couple of years, and I felt felt that there was a real a real different sound over there, and I felt like there was a lot of great bands coming out of Perth, especially around that time in the late nineties, early two thousands. Were you all? Um, 
were you all in a bit of a clique together or was there kind of professional rivalry or did you all keep to yourselves or do you have bands that you really loved and the ones that you really hated? You don't need to name names, but what was the vibe like in Perth in that, in that time? Yeah, it was amazing. It was a massive um, indie scene in Jebediah. You yep. know, they're kind of like the Beatles of the West Coast, you <laughs> yeah. know, Beatles of the Australian kind of, you know, grunge scene. And Yeah, well, I launched, launched so cool. Nova in Perth with them. They were like the first live Perth ba- band oh, on Nova wow. in Perth all those years ago in 2001. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I just <laughs> love Jebs and I was always at the front, got to know them really well and... Um, I, I was doing, I was at art school. I was going for my, you know, diploma of graphic design and stuff. And I had two weeks left before I got it. And then Kevin said, do you want to come on an Australian tour with the Jebs? I said, okay, let's go. I never got my diploma. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you got the, your diploma on yeah. the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was fun. We had a lot of good times on that. It was, yeah, us and Magic Dirt and Jebs. But, um... They were always my favourite, but yeah, just it was great though that scene, you know. Like yeah, five bands, like ten buck cover entry, and every weekend, and and so many venues, you know, those venues in the city, little House of Wax and Seventy Eight Records, and they all had you know stages, so it was just music everywhere, and yeah. Yeah, I do feel when I moved from Sydney to Perth for a couple of years, I did feel like I, I saw a lot more live music because it just felt like it was always in your face and always on it. It was great. And even if you didn't know who the band was, you were just that's what you did on the weekend. You went and saw a band and had 100 beers and then did it all again. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a shame all those uh, venues are gone and now they're all turned into people making NFTs and stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need more apartments is what we need down here in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so when, when was the moment then, like, I mean, the internet says you're a band with the Sleepy Jacks until 2007, but you know, that, that can be a vague, a vague timeline, but what was the reason for moving on to your next project? Was that, um, you just felt that you did it all with, with that band or was there something that made you all went, okay, well we're done now. Or? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I think you have a break and then it just goes on and then a few years pass by, but you know, it was at the end of the Sleepy record, I um, went to Sydney and I met Nick. Yep. And then um, we started doing some songs, which turned into Empire. And then he came over to Perth and we did Walking on Dream, which became huge. Um, so we just sort of followed followed that. But yeah, Sleepy's are still, still going, you know, but yeah, who knows when it will see the light of day again. Well, I remember. I think people, yeah, people, people, hate, <laughs> people hate me because they're like, just do the record and get it out, but I can't release it if it's not right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, God, how many years do you need? You know, just. <laughs> Well, I've always said whenever I interview bands and stuff, I think the rules never officially break up because you you never know. You know like like the drummer from Hunters and Collectors said to me once, you never officially break up because every now and then someone will knock on the door and ask you to play Holy Grail at the grand final. But if you're broken up, yeah. they won't ask you. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's your dream, but oh. you know, a, a variation of that. <laughs> it's so true. Hey? It's so true. <laughs> you know, like Spielberg says, like he says, like people are different each year. They change. They grow, and it's. You know, sometimes when you step away, then you realise what you loved about in the first place and you come back. So, yeah, I've always been strong on that. Just 
just never say it's over. You know. Well, at the moment we've got the Sleepy Jackson blank business card with next show and it's blank for now, but it'll be filled in at some stage. You've heard it here first. We should bring them back. <laughs> oh, I do one. love that. Yeah, well, well, vinyl's going nuts and I even got a, a demo of someone on a cassette the other day. I don't, th- don't think CDs will ever come back, but the cassette looks cool and the vinyl's obviously just going crazy. Yeah. So. Very expensive habit. Yeah. And um, was electric electronic music when when you started working with um with uh, Nick and you were doing some stuff with Pinyao and then obviously with Empire of the Sun was electronic music something that snuck up on you or was that always an interest of yours? Like what were you what were you listening to around that time for inspiration? Like what were you, some of your favorite favorite music from from that time in two thousand and seven? Oh man, we love Phoenix. You know that yeah. the early, early Phoenix records, um, Dark Punk with Boys loved um you know craft work and then obviously chemical brothers and air all those guys that are just sonic magicians you know so um yeah it was a great partnership you know because we were so hungry you know like my wife was pregnant i literally had 85 dollars i was you know i borrowed enough too much money from my mom so that i'm asking this person it was literally like you know time for a breakthrough you know and that usually happens when you're the hungriest yeah yeah for sure i well, even like what john frusciante the guitarist for the chili peppers said is that there's only so many sounds you can make with your guitar and he kind of has gone into this whole electronic world as well because he yeah as you were saying what was your word sonic wizards or sonic masters it must be the world is now your oyster that you can make any sound you want really that doesn't involve those chords yeah it's funny hey everyone's got a different way they turn plugins and turn guitar pedals and stuff and mm. it's just you know you could work with a million people but it's it's just the chemistry of the different elements that that make it a sound like um like Jono who's the keyboardist in Empire like he he did the Walking a Dream on CS80 which is out of tune you know <laughs> um yeah right it's known for being that and the oscillators move so the actual Walking a Dream is slightly I think it's slightly sharp so when people go and do a remix they put the auto tune on the vocal and they're like it doesn't sound right because it's, <laughs> it's not it's not actually in tune so the combination of that backing with you know the character in my voice was just probably always a little bit out of tune. Well, we love it. Um, what about... Um, we were talking about Nick Littlemore and other collaborators, but I, I want to ask you just a question more, more personally. I was listening to the Daniel Johns podcast and there's a moment in there where he talks about you guys recorded a, a song and, and buried it in the park. Um, do you have anything you can add to that or is is that as simple as that story is? You just can't, you couldn't find it again the next day apparently. We just at the time were smoking so much weed, you know, and this really heavy London weed from, I don't know, wherever and it just um you know i had this big thing copyright you know i was like the only way you can copyright is either sending it to yourself or you know just bury it you know we didn't want to go to the post office so i said just (laughs) i'm on the way to heathrow i'm like you gotta go and bury it he was like okay like i can be pretty convincing (laughs) it sounds like it (laughs) and at the time he was um you know married to nelly brulia and she lived in this beautiful um, castle next to Windsor Castle on a private island, and there was a cemetery there right next to Windsor Castle. And so, yeah, he went over there and buried it. But then 
just totally forgot where he buried <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the um, the album. Um, Listen to the water. By the time this is um, out, the album is out, and um, I, I've I've looked at the clip for Common Man as well. It was Common Man filmed on your property. Now that you've told yeah. me about your ranch, it seems like it would be. Yeah, it looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, it was right in the heart of of winter, and yeah, that's no, it was. It was pretty picturesque around that time because it's just a couple of feet of snow and really cold. And then, yeah, you'll see some of the other videos like Armageddon Slice we did right when the, the Dixie fire was raging over here. It was about 20 miles away and we're just about to evacuate. But we thought, you know, we've got to bust out a video clip because it just looked, it's like um, in Shanghai and those places where it's through you know, heavy smog and pollution and stuff, it creates this diffuser on the, you know, on the sun, so it looks, you know, like the seventies or apocalypse now or something. But with this, it really was smoke, and it felt perfect for that video. So yeah, it's it's kind of great, you know, having the property just run around and get the kids to become the actors in a few. Yeah, <laughs> and well, look, home looks like it, it's the heart, uh, the heart and soul of your your work too, because it looks like. I can only see half the sign, but I have read about your eccentric farm. Yeah, we just called that the ranch after after we got here, and it's just you know it's just so crazy, you know, it's so um, so much happens, you know. And I'm about to write this song called "What Happened in the Night." I've been meaning to write it since we got here because you wake up and you would have seen the the bears have been here, the deers have been there, and just yeah, it's like all these. Like the other day I got up and like my boots were out in the forest, you know, and it was like, <laughs> it's like a bear picked them up and then was like, hang on a sec, this isn't, this isn't food. <laughs> Do you know, and then one, one, one morning as well, I found a little bow tie, you know, it was like. A little what? A little bow tie? A little bow tie, literally oh. like Yogi Bear, Yogi <laughs> Bear drink. And it just, you know, it's sort of a, I'm just such a mental case you know it's sort of like the place where i lose my mind but i find it again you know it's yeah. kind of i'd set up these big canvases out in the forest and kind of you know throw paint at them and just sort of so yeah it's been good like that to become this bit of a tripper you know yeah of course with small children though do you might is it extra do you have to check extra hard that you've locked everything up before you go to bed every night though because it just sounds like yeah. you don't want anyone getting in during the night yeah <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, um, the borders are kind of open. We're all traveling again. You, you've got an album out. Um, uh, do you plan to tour the album? What's What's the plan for the rest of the year for Luke Steele? We do. We want to tour. You know, I'm putting the band together, but yeah, I just got to work out what's the, you know, where to go. It's still so messy over here. I'm still as confused as ever. You know, it's kind yeah. of so. Um, Maybe I'll just leave it at that. There will be a tour. But... There will be a tour. We'll leave the back of this business <laughs> yeah. card blank as well. Um, all right. Well, we normally like to finish the introducing podcast um, with you introducing someone or a band to us that either you're loving or even if it's not brand new, it could be something old that you just can't stop listening to. Okay. So S. Carey is the drummer for Bon Iver. Yeah. I've been digging him a fair bit the last couple of years. He's... Um... He's got that kind of Sufjan Stevens sort of nostalgic folk kind of kind of thing. He just dropped a new record. I haven't, I haven't heard that yet, but he's got a great sound. Uh, the Japanese House. You have the Japanese oh, House? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 
Amber Bain from the UK. She's um she's got a cool sound, you know. She has this like um vocoder sort of thing she has in her voice that she always sits behind every vocal. So she's already got this kind of I don't know, Laurie Anderson sort of thing she's she's got going. I love that new Killers record. Yeah. You know, the pressure machine. Yeah. Like I think like he's such a great writer and I think his lyrics and everything. My boy Brandon from way back, you know, <laughs> we did uh, a Sleepy Jackson show in Kansas, yeah, Lawrence, right. Kansas, yeah, in 2003, to, and we were playing to like 400 people. And then we went to this bar to have a beer, and there was this band playing in this small room, and there was like five people in there, and it was the Killers, you know, <laughs> wow, yeah, playing right. on the floor. That's unreal. and then a few, yeah, a few years back, I was in Mexico City doing a show, and I was watching. Brandon Flowers and outside of Asia, as he walked off, he stopped and goes, no, do you remember that we met in Lawrence, Kansas 15 years ago? <laughs> it's funny. so cool that he yeah, remembers. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, man, it looks so, so lovely to chat to you. And um, look, yeah, really excited to hear the rest of the album. What I've heard so far is that you're absolutely right. It's just, it's you and, it, and it's stripped back and it's, it's a little bit country and it just, it's, Perfect. I really like it. Listen to the water is out uh, now, and we hope to uh, see you back home soon and, and doing some shows. And again, we'll leave the Sleepy Jackson gate wide open for you as well. I'm sure people will be happy to hear that. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome, man. Great chatting.